Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And as this episode will have been dropped or uh, debuted, every vernacular you wish to choose, uh, this looks like this is, because of course we record these ahead of the curve, um, 125, yeah, so, when this drops, Emmanuel in Sin City has already played, and had a successful sold-out premiere at the Dreamland Cinema in Sacramento, California. It's a very cool micro-cinema here, um, and, uh, it's a good little screening room, so, yeah, happy about that, and um, all went well, all that good stuff. And uh, at present time, after Emmanuel in Sin City plays, we are going to take that film and either do film festival things or put it into the streaming, the streaming pond, the stream, and uh, let it swim out into the vast world of everybody. So... And everybody gets to watch it here in the next few months. And um, on the filmmaking front, we are uh, in production and wrapping up another film called She Knows Ferratu. Uh, it's a modern take on the vampire legend. Uh, totally original film written by me. And also, um, I don't know if I want to announce this or not, but I am kind of writing a film that I think is going to be the next film. And I'll just say that it's a science fiction film. So a little something different. Alrighty. So now we are on to the Just Franco timeline. Uh, this being episode 125, we are now up to film 129 made by the mighty Just Franco. And this film is titled Las Chicas del Tenga. That's the Spanish theatrical title, which translates out to Thong Girls. You know, nothing wrong with Thong Girls. Hey, what kind of girl are you? Are you a athletic girl? Are you a are you a uh, academic girl? No, I'm a Thong Girl. So yeah, Thong Girls. It's kind of cool, Thong Girls. I was just thinking about that. It's almost like. Very powerful, like we have the Star Wars, we have the Thong Girls. So, anyway, uh, this is made by Just Franco's own production company. Like I have my Desperate Visions Productions, he had his Manicoa Films. Uh, theatrical distributors on this is uh, Zafiro Films and Cinema International Corporation. And, of course, take all information from Flowers of Perversion, Volume 2, of by Stephen Thrower. Uh, let's see. Timeline. He shot this shooting date of autumn 1983. He got the legal number December 16th of 83. Of course, quick turnaround. And played in Seville May 17th of 1985. And Rurka in... Uh, at the Semana Internationale de Cine Naval in well, 1985, May 17th, oh, I'm sorry, uh, November 8th of 85. And then Madrid, finally, April 9th of 1987. 
Theatrical running time, Spain, 84 minutes. Uh, video TV, video slash TV running time converted. The PAL VHS put out by Azor Films uh, is 84 minutes, 37 seconds. And the Spanish TV transmission, which is a copy I have off of uh, Channel 8 satellite broadcast, uh, that is 82 minutes, 4 seconds. Uh, of course, we all know who the director is, the same guy that directs the other uh, 128 films, Jess Franco. But this time he is billed as Rosa Almoral. Now, not Joan Almoral, but Rosa Almoral, which was uh, Lena Romay and uh, Joan Almoral was her sister's name. So that's what I believe. Uh, writer Jess Franco as Jesus Franco. Or Jesus Franco. Uh, director of photography, Juan Solar Cozar. Camera assistant, Francisco Brignola. Brincola. Production manager, Antonio Mayans as J.A. Mayans. Um, let's see. Makeup, Juana Di Moreno. And we get the light going here. Um, music, Fernando Garcia Morello, Morello. So, of course, again, no Jess Franco on the music, which is rare. Um, or Daniel White. Let's see. Um, okay, uncredited producer, Jess Franco, of course, because of Manicola Films. Camera operator, Jess Franco. Editor, Jess Franco. So, yeah. And then production manager, Antonio Mayans. So, let's see. Jess Franco did... He directed it. He wrote it. He... So, writing, directing, uh, producing, camera operator, and editor. Yeah, sounds right. All right, uh, cast. Lena Romay plays Lolo Cavejo. Eva Leon is Lola's secretary. Antonio Mayans plays... Artesani, Morel Montas as Sylvia Montez plays Muriel, a French tourist. Okay, yeah, Muriel Montas, she was in uh, um, I should I just had a space there. Oh, yeah, yeah, she was in um, um, Linda and um, she's in um, the Festival. Uh, orgies of Emmanuel, the inconfessable orgies of Emmanuel. So yeah, so she's in those two films, and this is like her third film. That's interesting. She takes a different credit on that. Um, yeah, instead of Muriel Montas, she's Sylvia Montez. Anyway, so she plays Muriel, a French tourist. Uh, Juan Solar Cozar, as Juan Cozar, plays Philip, a Dutch tourist. Yeah, so that's cool. The guy that plays the Dutch tourist in here, uh, Juan Solar Cozar, he is also the director of photography. So you got everybody here. If you're behind the camera, you're in front of the camera. And vice versa. Mostly. Um, yeah, you got Frank, or got uh, Mines doing double duty and uh, Cozar doing double duty. Actually, actually, just those two, and then Franco. Um, but even though, <clears throat> I think just Franco does the voice on this guy at the end, but he's unbilled. Um, Analia Evers plays Patadora, girl on roller skates. And of course, she was in the lead in uh, Golden Temple Amazons. She's the kind of jungle woman in that. 
So it's interesting to see her here as a uh, ruler girl, basically. Uh, Jose Lamas, self-styled Marquis de Pinto Hermosa, plays a playboy. Of course, Jose Lamas will always be Macho Jim to me. Uh, Rafael Castano as Ramona Garcia plays Paco. Uh, let's see, Gina, one name, plays Charo, Ramona's transsexual girlfriend. Uh, Juana de la Moreno as Juana Plaza plays Juana de Antetiquera. Augustin Gil as Augustin Garcia plays Juan de Antaguera, a transvestite. Flavia Hervas, her, Flavia Hervas plays Gina de Antaguera, Juan's youngest daughter, and Vanessa de la Moreno plays Juan's eldest daughter, and with her daughters as well. I'll do the synopsis on this because it's so short. Um, Felix, a photographer, narrates a story of Benidorm, the fates and fables of the tourists and the local con artists who seek to make money from them. Along the way, we meet hustlers, actresses, prostitutes, and transvestites as they meet love blossoms in unexpected places. All right, uh, production notes. La Chicas de Tenga is one of two non-pornographic Jess Franco films for which he used a pseudonym giving credit to Lita Romay. He'd already signed 1982's Confessions of an Exhibitionist as Candy Coster, Romay's blonde acting pseudonym, and he signed La Chicas de Tenga as Rosa Amaral, which was Romay's birth name. So, did Romay really direct these films? When I asked co-star and production manager Antonio Mayans about this recently, he was unequivocal. She did not direct. Even on shoots I didn't work on, I don't believe she ever directed. She didn't have the temperament. I think Jess said she directed so that she would get some kind of payment after his death, as he fully expected to die before she did. But of course, she died before he did. Uh, Franco also gave credit to Romay for his hardcore porn films of the 1980s, beginning with Una Rata Perdos, signed with Romay's hardcore acting pseudonym Lulu Laverne, and ending with La Chuponus as Candy Coster. But in these cases, the reason was essential. He didn't want to add these crude and trivial hardcore titles to his filmography. While not quite ashamed of them, certainly not for moral reasons, he was aware that they did nothing to aid his reputation as a filmmaker. All right, review by Stephen Thrower. Uh, shot in and around the street cafes, shopping arcades, and tourist beaches of the Costa del Sol, this is a delightful, meandering affair with just a few punctuations of high drama. <clears throat> as, <clears throat> excuse me, as in Camino Solitario, Franco's usual diet of sex, horror, and crime has been toned down. What seems to matter more is the environment, especially Benidorm, a town very popular with British tourists in the 1970s and 80s. Unlikely though it may seem, the film is a kind of tribute to Benidorm, an affectionate portrait complete with elegant voiceover. A plastic palm tree interzone of gift shops, British-themed pubs, and tourist traps catering for a down-market demographic. It's a place that may strike some viewers as unworthy of attention. Yet, in La Chicas de Tenga, 
Fakery and trotty dress are essential to the overall theme. All of the main characters are playing a charade of some sort. In Benidorm, natural national character dissolves into little more than a simulation of Spanishness, and the story reflects the town's fragile identity with its rudderless, anecdotal, episodic plot concerning hustlers posing as jet-set playboys, cheap actresses on the make, and Jim Crack drag artists performing in seafront taverns for the amusement of docile tourists. Antonio Mayans' star stands out as Artisani, a would-be sophisticated Spanish gigolo trying to fleece foreign women. He's sneaky, dishonest, but ultimately likable, as he's played with a light touch by Antonio Mayans, who relishes the chance to send up a classic Spanish archetype without overdoing the comedy, keeping his take on the character firmly within context. Jose Lamas plays Mayan's rival for the intention and money of Muriel, a French tourist who's not quite as green nor as carefree as she first appears. Lian Rome and Eva Leon play an actress and her secretary vacationing in the town, and Juan Solar is a shy photographer obsessed with the ugliness of Benidorm's architecture who finds himself the unlikely quarry of a bubbly young roller skater, one of the thong girls of the title. You have to always say it that way, it sounds good. It's typical of Franco's dry humor that even the two little girls we see, played by Antonio Mayan's daughters, are hustling the tourists like seasoned professionals, raising money to feed their addiction to arcade video games, and specifically the Racer X game that I spotted. Uh, we see them hassling Muriel for money until Mayans comes along and scares them away, which pays off in the next scene with an amusing in-joke for Franco watchers when the girl's mother, played by their real-life mother, Juana de la Moreno, angrily yells at Mayans, her real-life husband, for picking on her daughters. <laughs> um, yeah, the kids are cute in that scene, too. They're laughing and stuff. Um, amid the cheeky, light-hearted comedy and feather-light tickling of Spanish machismo, Two particular plot strands stick out. In the first of these, Charo, a feminine transsexual, is saved from a mugging by Paco, a gallant nightclub bouncer, the enormously muscular Rafael Cuetano, previously seen playing Morpho in The Sinister Dr. Orloff and a criminal heavy in Sangre in Mis Zapatos, Blood on My Shoes. Uh, a relationship develops between the two of them, Although at first, Paco doesn't realize that his new girl is a tiny bit more than she appears. In the second strand, we see Juan, a nightclub transvestite whose world seems poised to shatter when his unsuspecting wife and children stumble upon his live show. In keeping with the sunny, light-hearted vibe of the film, however, both of these dramatic leads, both of these dramas lead to happy conclusions. Juan's wife and kids embrace their father for who he is, a drag act or not, and the film ends with them taking a ride together on a tourist carriage around their hometown, a symbol perhaps of the value of seeing your circumstances afresh. Paco reacts violently at first when he discovers that the woman with he's been flirting with has a little extra downstairs. Slapping her, he storms out of her apartment, leaving her desolate in tears. However... In one of Franco's most warm-hearted endings, our muscle-bound macho man redeems himself by abandoning convention, 
proving that love transcends mere physical details. The last we see of Paco and Charo, he's her personal trainer, and the two of them are at the beach doing calisthenics together. Most films with transgender or transsexual characters include them purely for the angst, trauma, and unhappiness that can bring to a story. So, it's refreshing that the outcome here is as light, cheery, and upbeat for them as it is for the other characters. Yeah, no, totally, man. It's uh, I watched it, I was like, wow, that's really forward-thinking, and uh, Franco would definitely change from past films of his where he went a different direction. Uh, Spanish theatrical release. After its initial run of a single week in Seville in 1985, La Chica Tatanga popped up again in January 1988 for a short run at El Canadis, Seville's very own drive-in. That's cool. Uh, in sh- its short run in Madrid was also followed up a year later in 1988 by a further week on reissue in the capital and a three-day booking during Christmas 1989, making it one of the modest successes of the Manacoa stable. Yeah, it's definitely could play in theaters. It's got a good feel. It's a it's a movie movie type thing. It's definitely made as a film or made as a movie compared to just a experimental thing. Uh, music, very little, except for some Fernando Garcia Murciello compositions with a carnival flavor. Yeah, it's got that kind of Christmas music. Or it's got the uh, carnival circus music. Uh, let's see. Locations. The film is set entirely on the streets of Benidorm, chiefly around the Avenida de Mediterraneo with its shopping precincts, hotels, seafront bars, and tourist trap uh, tourist trap junk stores all filmed with the free and easy handheld approach pioneered by Franco's revered cinematic icon, Jean-Luc Godard. Yeah, it does have that kind of handheld Jean-Luc Godard approach really fast. Artisi takes Murchie to the Pecca de Castelle, an ornamental seafront promenade where the vintage Benidorm cannons are displayed. Connections to other films. Uh, see Jess Franco's Pickup Girls, 1981, for another instance of a transgender character handled with sympathy, or <laughs> handled with sympathy, sympathy, and acceptance. And Les Abrenales, 1972, for quite the opposite. Yeah, both those films are good. I recommend them both, especially Les Abrenales. Uh, transvestite Ism almost played a part in the early acting career of Jess Franco, as he told Carlos Tejeda when discussing his role as Venetio, the brother of Paquita. All right, so Franco says, <clears throat> At first, the character that I was going to play was not that one. It was Rafaela Aparchios. Fernando gave me the script to read and said, You've got balls. You do it. I would have played the first transvestite in Spanish cinema. I told him I had no problem, but he found Raffaella, who was not known at the time, and he gave me the role of Vinicio. Big deal. <laughs> okay. Other versions. <clears throat> Two slightly different versions exist of this film. One released on Spanish video by Azor Films, the other shown on Spanish TV. Each contains material not present in the other. The video version extends the sequence in which Antonio Mayans hustles Montase when they meet outside a jewelry store, along with another slightly extended scene at home with Juana de la Morena's family. 
The differences are negligible, insignificant to the story. The TV cut extends by about ten seconds, a scene in which Ava Leone rubs massage oil over a nude Lena Romay, adds a 35-second softcore sex scene between Romay and Jose Lamas, and 80 seconds of a nude conversation on a hotel bed between Antonio Mayans and Montas. These scenes add a little flesh to the film, but they're not exactly pivotal. They do, however, give Lamas's otherwise unsuccessful hustler some much-needed bedroom action. And let me just say again, thong girls. There, I'm taking that on my system. All right, so yeah. Um, this copy I have of uh, thong girls... Um, Unfortunately, had no uh, subtitles. So, yeah, without subtitles, I was a little disappointed to uh, have to go down that avenue. But I really liked it, and you'll hear about it um, on my review after the bumper music. Uh, this is a quick solo one I knocked out to try to uh, get these going because, as you know, I had the premiere of Emmanuel and uh, editing she knows Ferrat too and writing and everything else and the storms out here has been crazy so haven't had a lot of time to uh, dedicate to this but still keeping the tradition and keeping the discipline of doing one a week for now uh, what's this two or three years now so yeah looking at the schedule too it looks like um, the last episode will be in October so we got about another nine months ahead of us so and who knows after that I get to the run of my Franco film uh, stuff. We might do a few other ones after that, talking about films not made or things we didn't do or interviews or I don't know. I have some ideas. So, so yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll run it to the end of the year, maybe longer. Maybe we'll do a four-year run instead of three years. So we'll see. All righty. Well, uh, hang out past the break, and you'll hear me, Jason Rudy, talking about thong girls uh the review and uh, yeah i liked it um and i'll talk to you about it on the other side so all right adios amiga all right we are back with my solo review of film 129 on this episode 125. And film 129 from Jess Franco is The Mighty Thong Girls. No, it's just uh, Las Chicas del Tenga. The translation, Thong Girls. And yeah, you see why it's called Thong Girls because, see, Lena wears a thong. Uh, the two little kids wear thongs. Uh, and then who else wears a thong in this? Uh, a couple people on the beach. Um, Lena's assistant. I think she, I know she gets topless later sunbathing, but yeah, it's, it's weird. But yes. Oh yeah. And the girl, the main thong girl is the, uh, girl, the, uh, roller girl type, um, roller skating girl in the town. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So, yeah, so this is my review of Thong Girls. Um, I just watched this. So, before I go into the film, I'll give a little backstory. So, um, I got this from the website, uh, was it Euro, Euro Trash? 
your trash films. Um, and uh, sorry, a little tired here. Had a crazy storm. Still going through that. Um, but yeah, and uh, the owner of the site um, fortunately passed away. And uh, he was a really cool guy. Talked to him a few times about Franco films. He always had a thing on his site. You know, if you don't see it listed, ask for it. So <clears throat> with Chicken Tatangas, I was thinking either I got it from there or I had to ask for it because it's not subtitled and it's strictly in Spanish. So it's more for Franco enthusiasts. But, uh, you know, this is one that I really wish now that I watch it and ruminate on it a little bit, it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And I'm always, and I love saying that because that always hits me. And it's usually on films that I come in with lowered expectations because I saw this like, ah, shit, it looks pretty cool. But unfortunately, my Spanish is minimal. I know certain things. And so I could pick up maybe 15, 20% of it. And being a filmmaker and, and, you know, watching all these films and such, like anybody else, pay attention to anything you follow the plot if it's not too um, intricate on dialogue that you don't understand so for instance this is a pretty similar movie it's basically like a Robert Altman movie so where there's intersecting couples on a central location you know it's pretty easy to follow so and you see how everybody crisscrosses and how they come together and, and if it's with me and you uh, knowing a lot of these actors. So it's like, okay, cool, there's Antonio Mayans, there's uh, Lena Romay, there's Antonio Mayans kids again. For the, out of like, They're in like five of these films here in a row from uh, Search of the Golden Dragon and this and, uh, and um, uh, Camino Saltario and, and you know, uh, Alone Gets a Tear and, and stuff like that. So it's just it's crazy to see them in all these films. And then, of course, the other Chinatown one that was unreleased. Um, Flavia Mayans and her sister, but uh, yeah, it's 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 funny. And uh, the poster is funny because you look at the poster on this. I got um, from uh, the site, and uh, it's a uh, I guess it's from the VHS box, like a like a uh, a photocopy of that uh, nice little color poster, and it's uh, almost a caricature. And it's like a beautiful woman. It looks like a, like a f- either a photograph or a painting. It's really hard to tell. It's a really good illustration, I would say. And uh, there's like two comic illustrations of a guy running and a smaller in front of her. And then a naked girl with just a thong running away from the guy below her. And the La Chicas de Tanga font's really cool. Kind of like 80s Spanish with the big big bubble letters and the red and the greens and yellows so the nice and the, and the las and del and smaller font then you got uh, mine's two kids sitting there in their like track suits which is funny because then actually you look at it, you're like what the fuck you got these little kids sitting here a, f- a real photo and then these comic-y kind of naked people and stuff you're like hmm and you see them with their piggy bank so it's funny you're like oh that's odd and then you see it and you watch the movie and then you understand how it all flows together but yeah so um this is a Manicoa Films, which means this is just Franco's production company, which means it's made even cheaper than his other productions, which I always dig because it's coming from somewhere I, I dig. It's just you're a filmmaker and you want to make a movie and you can't get money from other places or you have just a little bit of money to pay a few people um, and you just go out and you just shoot. 
you take over locations, you film without permits. There's a lot of stuff in here where Franco's just filming on locations and people are walking by, stopping and looking at the filming and looking into the camera and he's using other shots, cutaways and stuff. And it's pretty funny. You could tell that he's just shooting and then get the fuck out of there and really minimal takes and the way he's playing off people. And a couple times it gets a little bit crowded and the scene just ends, you know. But uh, I always dig that kind of guerrilla filmmaking on the fly, all that stuff. So, But yeah, so the copy I got... Uh, there is, uh, in Stephen Thor's book, um, uh, I don't know the title right here, uh, Flowers of Perversion, the volume two, um, talks about there's the Spanish VHS version and the TV print, um, which is a, a crisper copy, and that's the one I watched, was the, uh, the TV one, and it's, uh, 82 minutes, and it's, um, the channel eight, and it says, like, 18, um, rating on it so uh, yeah so it's medical films and of course it opens up on the beach so you have your body of water and your palm trees and everything right off the bat you know, kind of like circus music and uh, it's very different than music on this um let me look because i have i'm doing this uh review first before i read about the film or do that recording of it um i'm curious if franco did the music for this or not because uh, uh let's see here Music, no, Fernando Garcia Marcello. So this is interesting because Franco, the last couple of films, he didn't do the music. He didn't do it for uh, Golden Temple Amazons, of course, because it was unfinished. Um, but, uh, yeah, and then this one either, he didn't do the music. Yeah, because it reminded me of like something out of like a Santa Sangre or uh, another Alejandro Jodorowsky film, but definitely stuff out of Santa Sangre. A lot of the Spanish circus-type music, a lot of the... Um, it sounds like circus music where it's a lot of brass and, and parade music, you know, um, street parades. So it's really interesting, but, uh, yeah, so it's interesting. So this film, basically you have five different groups of people or five different couples or people that all are focused on in different forms. You have basically, um, Antonio Mayans. And Jose Lamas, um, play like these two different, uh, street hustlers. And, uh, so you see them, but basically Antonio Mayans hooks up with a French woman who's played by, um, Muriel Montross, who is back in, uh, I think she was in like, or the sexual story of O, make sure that was her. I think that was her, but uh, I'll look through my book here. Let's see, I'm not sure that was her though. But uh, yeah, she's. Uh, let's look this up as I cut on the fly here. Uh, Nine hundred thousand desires. Oh shit, is it that far back? Wow. Okay, I realize uh, how far back it went. Um, well, it's funny that you hooked up with her that much later. Uh, Fear in the Tropics. That's sexual story of O, is it? No, it wasn't that. It was, um... Anyway, so... Uh... So you have her, uh... Maria Montross and him. Uh, and Tuyo Mayans. They're, they're a couple. And, um... And then you have, uh... Um, Jose Lamas, who I spoke about, he hooks up with uh, Lita Romay, who plays like a 
kind of an actress with her assistant, this female kind of older woman. Um, and it's interesting, and they're all converging on this hotel, which reminded me of um, like uh, El Hotel El Hotel El Hotel de los Luguis, uh, and then uh, kind of like Oh Oh What a Honeymoon, which is uh, Via Luz Via Luna de Mel, and then also uh, a prick for for three. So they're all kind of similar, where they're kind of a screwball comedy of different couples checking into a hotel. And then different people coming after them and, and, and getting together and, and comedy and stuff and, and kind of the screwball aspect. And that kind of reminded me of that. Kind of like Franco did like his 30s kind of screwball hotel comedy stuff, you know. Um, so he kind of did like Grand Hotel type deal. Like, like maybe that's like his version of Grand Hotel or like, you know, International House or something like that. Uh, the big hotel, you know, Bob Hope did a couple like that too. Um, but anyway, I'm jumping ahead. So yeah. Um, so you have basically that French woman with, uh, Antonio Mayans and, uh, Jose Lamas, who I'll always call Macho Jim from Blues to Cali Pop. Cause I just love that character. And, uh, Antonio Mayans, uh, basically goes window shopping with her and they kind of go through the town and he's trying to hustle her and she's only speaks French and he only speaks Spanish and so they're like speaking their language and he doesn't understand her, I guess, and she doesn't understand him. And as a viewer with those subtitles, you don't understand anybody, but I, I can pick up what they're saying a little bit. Uh, so it's funny. And then, so I mentioned that and you have them window shopping. And then you have a funny scene with the two, the two girls with their piggy banks and they're going around hustling all the tourists for money so they could feed their habit of playing this video game. And it's uh, racer X for those that play old video games, uh, that driving game, uh, like, and you go through like a maze and with the smoke and stuff. Uh, so they're playing this video game. It's funny. So they're like hustling these people for quarters and they run to this one lobby and they play this one video game over and over again. And Franco, I love that Franco just like shoots the video game screen for like 20 seconds just to fill some time. I started laughing. like, yeah, I was wondering how long he was going to keep shooting it for. And he just kept shooting the scene. I was like, come on, dude. Pretty funny. Good stuff. But, uh, yeah, and it's funny, there's these two little girls, and uh, they start hustling Antonio Mayans and the and the woman, and he kind of shoos the girls the little girls away. And then their mother comes out and sees him hassling the girls, and then she pushes Antonio Mayans and yells at him. And it's funny because those two little girls are his real-life daughters, and then the woman that plays their mother is actually their mother, which is his wife in real life. And so it's, it's funny, the little kids laugh because their parents are fighting, and play fighting you know and it's a kind of a cute scene um so yeah you have the on the street shooting i mentioned now uh just franco uh antonio mayans and the woman um and then uh we see the hotel where um lena's staying as she plays like a movie star and there are two girls and they and harass her for money and then they recognize her and the mom and the mother comes and scolds the girls and and uh, they talk to Lena and, and who they are and stuff, and they exchange information and start becoming friends. And then um, and we finally have our first nudity, of course. It's Lena Romay at 21 minutes, 35 seconds, as uh, Lena's sunbathing nude on the uh, balcony of her hotel. And uh, she's rubbing baby oil on herself, and then she has her female assistant rubbing in on, on her a little bit, so it's funny. Franco gets his two-girl kind of, hot oil scene or some kind of interaction between two women 
kind of keep the tradition, keep the streak going, even if it's minimal. No, uh, actually, yeah, there's no oral sex between the two of them. Actually, very little sex in this film. Um, before I go any further, too, I would say this is almost a, uh, there's nudity and stuff, and different elements, but it's very, very, very toned down. There's a sex scene with Lena and Jose Lamas <clears throat> where she's basically writing him for like a minute. And then uh, there's a scene, a couple of Antonio Mayans and Matro Matros nude, kind of getting ready to make love. And then afterwards, just nude. That's about it. And then, but yeah, there's no oral sex, no uh, humping, no sex, no no intercourse, faked or real, or no simulation, nothing like that, no masturbation. Uh, there's very toned down sex. Now I'm starting to think about it as I describe it. So it's almost like a R-rated. Or even a, and, and I say R because of nudity, but PG thirteen in theme almost. Uh, yeah, it's very because because of the kids and everything factor as well, and the uh, mother and father and there's more of a family atmosphere with this film. Um, even though it's yeah, you know, it's almost like an R rated, almost like a bachelor party movie or like uh, that type of. Uh, not that it's like that movie, but it's kind of got that eighties raunchy, you know, but not as raunchy. If that makes sense, I don't know. Like uh, where the boys are, Spring Break, or less than Porky's, you know, more of a traditional 80s TNA comedy where it's two, three scenes and that's it. So anyway, uh, on to the review. Um, so yeah, so we have, um, I talked about that. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the photographer, um, Juan Solar, who's actually, it's funny, he's one of the crew guys always, and you see him playing it, just a photographer, basically shooting buildings, and he's a writer, and he's talking about how ugly the architecture is in this city, that this tourist trap that basically all this revolves around. Um, and it's really cool. Franco shoots this area, the Café de Paris, and uh, these little street vendors, and daylight, and then the nighttime life later on, which is really cool. I'll talk about that when we get to it. But, uh, yeah, he really goes through and shows this little city and this little atmosphere, this little tourist trap area that is very fake. And it's interesting because everybody in the film is very fake. Um, yeah, actually, let me, let me go through. So you have basically Antonio um, Mayans, like I mentioned. He's with the, the French woman. Then you have uh, uh, Jose Lamas, who gets with uh, Lena and her assistant. So you have those those two right there, couples. Then you have the photographer, which I mentioned here, and he keeps getting interaction with this girl on roller skates, and then she's on a um, skateboard later on, and then there's a scene where she's on the balcony, and she's arguing with uh, Jose Lamas' character, and she has a Coke or a soda in her hand, and she keeps spilling it on him down below, in a like three floors down when he's on the bal- or when she's on the balcony, and and she always runs into him all the time, knocks him down, all that stuff. So you have that. That's three couples there. And then you have the two little girls I mentioned and their mom. And then uh, they're searching for their father later on. And we get into that later. Um, so, yeah, that's a fourth group or fourth couple. And then finally fifth, I haven't mentioned yet, you have a bodybuilder man and a uh, woman that he sees on the street that he runs into and basically falls in love with. That's five different couples right there, five groups, five different uh, character groupings that we follow and sometimes they cross some cross some don't but they're all in the same little kind of area together so it's kind of interesting um 
All right. So, uh, yeah. So we have that Rolish Gang guy. Like I said, she runs into him numerous times. Um, and then you have uh, uh, the uh, French woman. It's funny. She wears a green Fame T-shirt. It's from the movie Fame or the TV show Fame. The font. And she kind of hides it a few times, but you see it. I was laughing because Franco loves doing the uh, does loves putting uncopyrighted images in his film like that, from the Mickey Mouse's to the Snoopy's. There's a lady here later wears a Snoopy shirt too that I'll mention. So yeah, a Snoopy shirt and a Fame shirt. It's funny. Um, you have um, Lena with Jose Lamas scene, and then you have a nightlife sequence, the businesses. Uh, there's a place called Disco Town, and I co- mentioned, uh, I took a picture when I watched, there's, uh, when the woman um, is walking around town, she's like looking for uh, these different signs, and there's this little place that I liked, and I took a picture of, let's see, and um, it's, um, it says, on Oregon every night from 9pm, and then it says, free entrance, uh, video show from... Uh, what is this? 2 p.m. Oops. From 2 p.m. And then it says, uh, Large Screen, Today's Films. There's three films. See, I kept thinking of Large Interest Video Show. I wonder if it was like, the, so they probably played like uh, VHS tapes or, or beta, whatever, on a VCR and then projected that on a screen. It's probably not. 35 millimeter prints you know see that's me I was laughing the movie nerves they were thinking of this dumb shit while watching a Franco film anyway so yeah I like this uh, if you watch this film you'll see it it's this big marquee anyway I'll start from the beginning video show from 2pm free entrance large screen today's films E.T. an officer and a gentleman an American werewolf in London they have the times like I don't know 246 whatever and then tomorrow's films hot bubble gang I gotta look that one up or Hot Bubble Something, Hot Bubble Gary, or Hot Bubble Gang, and then War Games, and Omen 3. And it's got little writings next to those. And then 9 p.m. is live music and dancing. See, it's almost like a uh, almost like a place where you go in and hang out, drink beer and watch movies, and then I guess at 9 o'clock it turns into dancing and stuff. So that would actually be, be kind of a cool little business. If you had a little movie theater, I don't know if I should give away ideas like this, but it'd be cool if you had a place that doubled as like a little movie theater and then it was like a uh, little dance club afterwards because then you can like get a lot of different crowds. But you got to have a liquor license and all that stuff too. But yeah, that's an interesting idea. So anyway, I saw that and I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, Franco shoots that night. Life sequence really cool. A lot of red lights and stuff. So we get our red light checklist off our box on there. Disco town and all that. And you see this giant bouncer guy. And it's cool. He was in uh, <clears throat> Sinister Dr. Orloff. And I think he's in one or two other Franco films before this. And he's like this big fucking buffed bodybuilder guy. Looks like almost like a really just buffed out dude. Um, and uh, he sees that, that woman that's walking around looking at the sign. She's she's uh, basically homeless, has nowhere to go. And, and uh, uh, these two guys try to beat her up. And then basically she... Uh, he, the big bouncer guy, saves her and uh, looks out for her and gives her his key to his place and says, hey, man, you have nowhere to go. Here's my key. Stay here. You can stay with me. And he has a fondness for her and stuff. So they start getting together and uh, they hang out, but they don't have sex. Enough. They hang out together and do stuff. And uh, then I mentioned you see Lena with her gold thong from the past films. And uh, it's cool, too, because 
she has some dialogue scenes and they shoot her from behind with her dialogue like it's dubbed in. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. And uh, as a filmmaker, you can see that he basically probably dubbed that in later just shot her with her back to the camera, saying a bunch of stuff, and then walking off camera, saying a bunch of stuff, and then he just dubbed all that in later. Um, what else have? So, um, yeah, and then they have a scene where they all go to the beach and uh, the bodybuilder guy and the woman that he picked up and then uh, Lena and her assistant and the Jose Lamas and then Antonio Mayans has a funny scene with him and the French girl where she's basically getting topless after they got together and he keeps trying to hide her from the other guys watching and the other two guys watching her like yelling at her yelling at him uh, insulting them kind of heckling them and he's yelling back at them it's a pretty funny scene actually and then, uh, yeah, these two little kids are like wearing thongs. I'm like, what the fuck's that for? You know, they're going to the beach trying to hustle other people on the beach. And you see them trying to get money so they play their video games. And mom comes out and scolds them and all that stuff. Um, and then we have a, a after big, big scene, the two kids run. They play their uh, Racer X video game again, which is pretty funny, uh, in the arcade. And then uh, the roller girl and the guy get together again. Then, uh, they have the dubbed music. Oh, yeah, so there's a scene where they go see um, a uh, a drag performer, uh, a man drag perform as a woman, and he's singing. And it's funny, so he's up there on the stage, and there's a band behind him playing, and it's totally dubbed over because it's something else singing, just the solo. And it's almost so, I think Frank, just Franco dubs that guy because later on, at the end of the movie, when he's sitting with his wife and two kids and they have a conversation, I swear that's Franco's voice over that guy. Um, I, I would bet that just Franco dubbed that guy for some reason. Either his dialogue was bad, he didn't like his performance, or the sound was bad. It's the outdoor sequence where they're on this vehicle, so maybe that, that was bad. He just dubbed over the whole thing. or I don't know, but it sounds like Franco's voice because he's like telling these little jokes and these little kids are laughing. You hear that in the soundtrack. It's pretty cool scene actually um uh where we at? okay there we are so then uh yeah so we have franco's thing and he's telling jokes kids are laughing and the mom and, and uh so it's cool so basically lena invites the woman and her two kids to go join her as guests for this performance of a uh of a drag show and they come to find out that that's their father was the person who's supposed to be a woman on stage um and uh He's a little bit embarrassed about it, but what's cool is they show that the kids are very open to it, and the mother's fine with it, and she knows that they all love each other, and that's his performance, and that's what he does, and there's no problem in it. And, and Franco shows it in a good way. He doesn't make it as a joke. He doesn't make the guy a wimp or or, or make him a, you know, whatever <clears throat> uh, derogatory way he looks at him as soft or anything. He just, like, as the guy, he does his thing, and this is what he does, and it's whatever it's almost like uh like the wrestling ways with the uh people that are the exoticos and that type of thing so i thought it was really cool that he does that and he doesn't trash the guy or nothing so you have that instance um of uh that and then you have the later on so the bodybuilder him and his his the person he digs turns out that they have discussion and he finds out that um, she is a transsexual and he slaps her and then later on feels really bad about it and he goes to 
tell her that he loves her and that he forgives him that he that he will try to be with be with them and 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 live with them and and it's not a problem and and he wants to tr- be uh their training partner and and try to live with them and and have a relationship and all that stuff and it's very positive very forward thinking for 1983 that frank was doing this so it's it's good compared to what he used to do and how his films were and stuff so you see him basically growing and more uh forward thinking and and positive toward humanity and people and stuff so it's 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 nice it's it's actually a, a kind of a cool film to show it's like wow it's a different franco thing it's got the kids it's toned down sex it's the 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 drag performances and the the transvestite and the transsexual and and a lot of that and, and it's 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 not done as 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 anything you know negative or anything so yeah i thought that was that was really interesting but uh i thought it was really great um then the dressing room scene with the father and the mother and the two kids um when he's undressing from his wig and stuff and talking with them it's really good and uh, it's funny though the kids are watching these two stage shows like that show which is one big deal and then later on their father's um, doing just like a where's this little thong girls of course he's in a thong so a stage show is him on a thong and he's jumping up swinging on like a a uh, uh, I don't know what it'd be like a circus uh, swing I guess way up in the air I don't know the right word a trapeze type thing be the fall and the kids are laughing and stuff like, oh, it's kind of weird taking these kids to see these I guess it's their father, but yeah, I've seen them on the thong on stage, at least old women. But anyway, yeah, and then I mentioned at the very end, they have a conversation and it wraps it all up. And Franco, because swore that's Franco's voice dubbing the father, talking to the mother and uh, two girls at the end. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a positive film. He's uh, showing that there's all these different kinds of people and all these different kinds of relationships and couples and mothers daughters and single men and and people them they everybody's out just trying to do their thing in this area and everybody's hustling their own beat and doing their own thing so yeah it's 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 interesting it's a it's a very sweet little kind of a good-natured film you know uh besides the interesting topics of what's going on in the film so all right well um let me knock out this franco list here uh well good so Alrighty, um, a little bit longer than I thought. All right, Franco list uh, number one on the mighty Jason Rudy Franco list of things I always discover. Uh, things, of course, that a lot of people know as well. That's I'm not the one that came up with a lot of these, but some of these I came up with. But most are just ones that are commonplace. All right, number one, uh, body of water. Yes, we see open, of course, the body of water, the beach, the area, the ocean right there. Number two, sailboats and three boats. Yeah, we see uh, like a couple there in the beginning. One for sure in the middle. Um, number four, palm trees. Yeah, right in the opening sequence, of course. Number five, jungle sound effects. No, nothing like that. Number six, chained up person. No, nobody's chained up in this. Well, actually, that's a funny too. That's a lot of stuff that's not missing in this film. This is going to be a really negative on the nose on this because this is not a typical Jess Franco film. That's why I liked it. It's very... It's almost very jarring to think that this is a Jess Franco film. Anything about it? Because uh, I mean, there's Franco stuff to it, but it's just a lot of his checklist is not going to be on this. Now that I go through um, number seven, though. Let's see number six, chained up person. No, okay, number seven, uh, dance scenes on stage, stripping. Kinda. You see the father on stage 
and a g-string which is funny or a thong not not lena not another woman but you see the father he's not stripping but he's down to his g-string um number eight club scenes dancing in a bar yeah he's uh doing a performance um disguised um dressed as a woman and he's doing um a performance people are dancing and, and having a good time uh at the bar of course uh number nine jazz music no no jazz music all just kind of uh circus music and then of course uh the singing uh solo and that just definitely no jazz um 10 excessive zooms yeah franco zooms a lot in this a lot of zooming in on things um yeah quite a bit number 11 out of focus shots no didn't catch that 12 mirror shots yeah there's a cool one of the french woman who we find out later isn't really french um but spanish pretending to be french she puts her face against the glass kind of a pane which is really cool and then you have a cool mirror shot at the end where the father is talking with his wife and two daughters and you see his reflection um in the mirror as that's going on number 13 mind control themes no 14 magic tongue scenes kind of lena when she's signing an autograph or i mean she's writing something on the table with jose lamas and her assistant outside cafe paris place and she's like sticking her tongue out funny as she's writing a couple of things i started laughing I'm like, oh, that's the magic tongue scene very minimal 15 red light yeah you have the red lights from the club at night um like the talk of the town area talk of those i think it's called talk of the town bar where the bouncer works or standing there at least act like he's working um 16 sheepskin rug no masturbation with the sea item no 17 mad scientist and servant no 18 fish tank shots no 19 talking parrots talking animals no 20 credits 20 in credits yes or no uh yes it's fin f-i-n number 11 uh, I'm sorry, I'm tired. Number 21, handwritten, signed, or notes. Yeah, I caught one. There was, uh, at the Café de Paris, there's something written on the thing. It's like, I think, trying to mention somebody that's performing there, but it's, I think it's one of the Franco things. Um, number 22, inept cops, no. 24, I'm sorry, 22, spiral staircase, no. 23, inept cops, no. 24, belly chains, no. 25 kinks uh hmm no there's really not sex in this at all no wow that's funny uh 26 great headboards yeah uh antonio mines has a really cool headboard uh the hotel where you sleep in uh when his the french girl gets up and uses the phone uh there's a cool like little radio thing in the wall above this cool nice wooden headboard uh and a cool couple switches above it that look really badass i like those kind of style of that um, where are we at here? Um, gosh, it's tiring. Twenty-seven. Fear or desire? Hmm, that's interesting. I don't even. Wow, that's gonna be another one that doesn't fit the list. Fear. Is there fear in the film? No. Desire. I say desire because they're the hustlers. There's uh, the desire of Antonio Mines' character, Jose Lomas' character. Um, there's really no fear. No, it's all desire. Desire of the money from the kids. Yeah, it's, it's desire. Uh, 28, acoustic guitar player. No. 29, reading a book scene. Uh, I don't think there are people reading books on the beach. At least the main characters. You know, the headphones. Uh, no, I'd say no. Uh, unless I missed it. And finally, number three, is there a scene where somebody's going pee? Pee scene. Uh, once again, no. Wow, this film has a lot of no's because it's very much a different... 
different style universe Franco film. So that's weird. That's kind of cool when you do something totally different from your style, then you're going to have totally different results. So yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, it's it's not totally different from his style because he's done this type of screwball, like I said, movie before, you know, Hotel de la Lagunas, especially, and Prick for Three is a almost an X-rated version of this. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's going back and just kind of doing a fun little movie and mixing a few little things together. So, yeah, it was a fun film. Um, not sure because of the nudity and stuff if this would come out, but I, I would think it would, but unless it's cut, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think it's... With, should come out it's it's a fun movie um like i said it's, it's not nothing crazy so um all right well here in uh northern california i was recording this we're having a really huge storm coming up this week so uh just kind of getting everything prepared for that so hopefully you're all staying dry and warm um i'm going to try to do the same and hopefully we have very minimal damage and everything works out well so let us all do well and be well let's all do good and be good when it's not just Maha. Adios amigo, adios amigas. Mm-hmm.